Hello and welcome to episode four, four or five, something like that. I don't know. Of the Shape of Sound podcast, I am your co-host Josh Marcello. With me, as always, is my good friend Taylor Micah. And uh, we we missed a week in recording. Uh, we had I had some stuff going on. My baby had the uh, had a little bit of a cold last week. So you know, anytime that you've got a, a baby with a cold, you want to you know. Make sure they're good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, kind of. I just I live vicariously through all my friends who have had kids. So, uh, you know, as you know, I am the single idiot of the group, which is fine. Uh, I am currently dating, so that's fun. Um, cool. So yeah, right. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. I just, what's his name? Don't do what? <laughs> I was see you're so programmed to think that someone is going to do that, <laughs> and we know whose fault it is. I, right, we know whose fault it is. But also, do you blame my skepticism at all? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, the last two weeks, what have you been up to? What have you been listening to? Oh God, a lot of different shit. Uh, today specifically was I got on this electric cowboy kick that. Okay. Was awesome. So I don't know if you ever heard of them. It, so the the they are like a German metal band, and they in and they like they infuse hardcore like European techno house music. Dude, it is so much fun. Elect- so is it like similar to a Rammstein? No, because Rammstein is scary. Uh, okay. <laughs> like Electric Callboy is hilarious fun like you like you legitimately want to dance to it they did their own version of every time we touch by 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 cascada whatever like that you know that famous one is every time right so they did their own version with screams and shit and i i caught myself in a customer's basement today with my with my airpods in just losing my mind and i hear the i hear through it like customer like shout is everything okay like yeah (laughs) because i was losing my mind that's a lot of fun um but then uh, if you rewind the clock about a week, you know, your, uh, you know, your, uh, your newborn was, was kind of going through it. So I was like, you know, because I, I was I really got hot to talk about a certain thing and we'll we'll get into it because it's going to go into the, the, the main topic. But Blink-182 released new music. Uh, they put out two new songs and I fell in love with both of them. Um, one is more of a self-titled feel, which I know some people aren't into, and that's fine. The second one felt like older Blink, kind of like Enema, uh, or Take okay. Off Your Pants and Jacket, a little more fast-paced, a little more punk rock. Obsessed with it. Absolute, absolutely obsessed with it. But that's that's pretty much been about it. Um, Electric Callboy, and then obviously I just throw in like like hardcore. I, 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 there isn't a day that goes by now that I don't listen to Bane, which is like my number one hardcore band in Knock Loose. Those are like my top two. What about you? Like, 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 what have you been listening to? Um, well, I've uh, actually been uh, running with a playlist that I made a while back. I call it emo favorites, and uh, love it. It's not all emo. Uh, right. It's a lot of stuff that you know is emo adjacent or the greater public considers to be emo, even though you and I both know it's not. And the reason I've been doing that is that uh, I got the new iPhone and uh, one of the features that they have in the latest update is a crossfade feature for Apple Music. So one song fades into another. There's never like a pause or a skip between songs. Interesting. uh, Which I thought is a pretty, pretty cool feature to have. Uh, So like naturally, I wanted to try it out by listening to playlists. So I've been listening to a lot of Yellow Card this week. I love Yellow Card, Uh, dude. I love Yellow Card. So good. So good. Because one of the songs that I have on that playlist is uh, Empty Apartment from Ocean Avenue. And I was like, yo, like I just kind of want to listen to Ocean Avenue right now. So I got into a little bit of a kick where I've been listening to the whole album on repeat for like a week and a half now. Um. And prior to that, I it's funny, man, like I have these swings, right? Like I'll listen to like I'll listen to stuff that is emo, emo adjacent, pop punk, whatever. And then like I will swing into or out of a metal kick. Uh, and prior to that, the metal kick is what I was on. And the metal kick is actually kind of what led to the topic that we have today. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to explain that. So I was listening to. um Listen to my metal playlist, and um, one of the 
bands that's on the metal playlist is Static X. Uh, and I was like, yo, I wonder whatever happened to the dudes from Static X after Wayne passed away. So I did a Google search and I found out that they're still touring and they've replaced Wayne as the lead singer, uh, which is not, I don't think, a, a big deal. I mean, with in the case of Static X, it's a little bit weird because like, you know, the guy's name was Wayne Static. He was the face of the band. Uh, I kind of thought of the other guys in Static X as secondary to him. It's not like a drowning pool situation where uh, the original lead singer passed away and they, you know, kind of took some time and they replaced, uh, you know, they went on a little bit of a search and they replaced that guy. And, you know, obviously that didn't go that great for them because they kind of fell off after their uh, second album. Uh, But I digress. So not only did they replace Wayne, they replaced him and they made a character uh, who is a zombie cyborg version of Wayne. So, and they <laughs> tour, and this guy has this like mask, like a robot mask, and like face paint because it's like half, like a half face mask, and he has like zombie paint down here, and he has like these, I, I, I don't know, I want to say like, um, like tentacles or something. I don't know. It looks weird. Right. That's staring straight up in the way that he had his hairstyle. Uh, and that made me think, I was like, you know, like uh, that'd be something that'd be cool to talk with Taylor about, you know, cause there's a lot of bands over the years. There's a lot of different artists that have replaced either members of the band or front men and kind of gone on to have either a semi successful or a vastly successful run. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what led us into that topic. Uh, the the new and uh, reformed Static X. Uh, so I, I and I, I say this with love. I'm very indifferent on Static X. I don't think they have bad music. It's just a band that just never clicked with me. Um, sure. As far as re- just like on the thought of like replacing him, it's going to sound shitty and a little callous, but it's the truth. Everybody's replaceable. Uh, like when it comes to music in in some sort in some sort of instance and my main two uh examples that i'm going to give are prime examples of that uh you know obviously it sucks that wayne's dead but carrying on the legacy that he left and i think actually continuing on with a front man that with, like with that with that robot mask that you i think you sent it to dan and i like like a week or so ago and yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I mistook, I mistook, I, I mistook, I mistook it for a band called Sleep Token that has a very similar, like the, Sleep Token's like Ghost, but like heavy, honestly. Okay. So, uh, so the, so the main two examples I can come up with as far as bands changing their frontman, or the, the frontman specifically, at least changing like integral band members, one would be ACDC and two would be Van Halen. Now. Two very different circumstances. Uh, ACDC had to replace Bon Scott because Bon Scott unfortunately passed away. But Bon Scott was a monster in his own right. And for ACDC to come back after the death of Bon Scott with Brian Johnson and the, your first record back is black and back in black, which is arguably one of the best the, the best selling rock record of all time. And then obviously the career after that kind of speaks for itself. But I, I like that to me is a one of those rare instances where a band fought just like the, the stars align, the right guy came at the right time and ACDC continued. Cause I'll be honest with you. Like, there's a lot of people that listen to ACDC. They have no fucking idea who Bon Scott is. Right. You know, because a, a lot of ACDC's hits are Brian Johnson outside of like highway to hell and uh dirty deeds. You know what I mean? Like, like other big songs. And then the other one that's going to be a little polarizing because I have, a, I have a certain opinion on it is going to be Van Halen when David Lee left the band and he was replaced by Sammy Hagar. Now, mm-hmm. this is obviously for a long time, not too much anymore because nobody really cares, created, <laughs> <laughs> except for like you and me, but like it created a divide in the fan base because it's like, are you, are you Van Hagar or are you Van Roth? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically just quoting the movie Airheads at this point. <laughs> yeah. What? I said, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, because it's like when when uh, Brendan Fraser opens the door and he's talking to Harold Ramis, when he th- he's, he's f- trying to find out if he's a cop, and he goes, when uh, when uh, Roth and, and Halen split, which, what, what side do you take, Hagar or Roth? And the guy's like, Hagar, 
he's a cop. (laughs) (laughs) But not so like, and but the reason why I say that is because, and I'm not a cop, but I, I, I prefer Sammy Hagar stuff to David Lee Roth. Not say again, I'm not saying in the slightest that David Lee Roth and his work with Van Halen, it goes without saying how amazing it is. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just happen to prefer Sammy's voice to David's. I like Sammy's records a little more than I like David's, which is a little difficult, especially when Van Halen's first self-titled record is uh, is from top to bottom is an, a, a classic. Cannot be disputed. It's just like when I'm looking for something when it comes to Van Halen, obviously like you get what you're looking for. But for me, for some reason, I just connect with a record like 5150. Like that's just something that speaks to me. The, especially the uh, the song Dreams. That that song is just, I love that song just as much as the first time I heard it at the end of the, the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the Power Rangers movie, they were shooting off fireworks. The, they just beat Ivan Ooze. They threw him into Haley's Comet. Most ridiculous shit ever. <laughs> and they and like they have this big thing in sparkles. It says thank you, Power Rangers. And as there's fireworks going off, all you hear is Sammy. It you know they're they're playing dreams as the credits roll. And you know you, you got Tommy and Kimberly and all those uh, everybody like Jason David Frank, rest in peace to the goat. But like the, from the time I was a kid, the first time I ever heard Van Halen was at the end of a Power Rangers movie, and that's when I fell in love with Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. And then obviously after the after that, I heard. You know, you really got me hot for teacher, ice cream man, stuff like that, which are all incredible stuff. It's those are the two biggest ones I could think of. Obviously, there's a there's a there's a laundry list of other ones, but those are like my main two sticking points where like things work out not nearly as much in the Van Halen um, example because it was more of a divided fan base at that point. Yeah, but you can't deny that there was absolutely success there, even though it was already established. Yeah, no, no doubt. And um, I think that, uh, you know, to play the devil's advocate version of, uh, you know, what you just said, um, listen, <laughs> when you really look at it, uh, I, I think it's 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 such a, you know, it's part of hot take culture that we have as humans. Uh, and, and it hasn't always been called that, of course, but, you know, it kind of goes back a long time where you you're going to say something so blatantly outrageous and you're gonna you're gonna stick to your guns. You're gonna die on that hill. Um, Sammy Hagar's great. You know the 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 Sammy Hagar version of Van Halen is great. Yes, you can't deny that there was money made. There were millions of dollars made. There were concerts that were sold out. There were records that were you know at the top of the Billboard charts. You can't deny it. But I think that what the spirit of the argument is is that you have essentially one of the first times that a major 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 musical act has changed the face of that act and in the case of van halen they also completely changed their sound not they didn't change their sound they changed their fucking genre man you know like before roth or i'm sorry before hagar i wouldn't necessarily call van halen metal i guess i guess hair metal is kind of the way to put it because what 100 hair metal sort of filled that space i think that just the fact that eddie being what eddie was you can't lump him into the other hair metal bands because none of those guys could hold a candle to eddie van halen oh no that absolutely goes without saying but i think you have to put them in the genre of hair metal strict and 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 the always why i say that because like like they like they're 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 uh they're grouped in with bands like motley Crue. And the and the reason is is because of just the time, and they like yeah. they played similar styles of music, but the difference was was the musicianship in Van Halen, like from across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, but once they took that leap, once that David was out of the band and they made the switch to Sammy, they became a fucking arena rock band, completely different. Which I love, complete, dude. totally different sound. You know, they became very driven by pianos and keyboards and like obviously eddie van halen was there he was still shredding he was still doing his thing but the sound was so much different and i think that when you think about the songs that come to mind when when i think of van halen you know this is my personal opinion yeah what i think of fucking running with the devil i think of fucking 
uh, Hot for Teacher, Panama, uh, Jump, fucking uh, Eruption, bro. You know, like crazy, crazy guitar-driven songs. I mean, not so much Jump with all the synth, but that solo is fucking incredible in that song. Oh, absolutely. And then when you make that jump to Sammy, in my mind, like I have all these great songs that come right to the forefront of my mind. And when I think of, of Van Hagar, so to speak, it's really just fucking right now pound cake and dreams that's <laughs> fine no i mean i mean it, but that uh, so what's funny about that because it's and, and right now such a cheesy fucking song i i know it's cheesy but it doesn't mean i don't love it dude i like i i would first of all like commercially successful like if you want to go if you want to sit here and like be uh you know be the analytics guy in the room if you like look at numbers from hagar in the band to uh roth in the band commercially sammy hagar is much more successful than david lee roth ever was that doesn't mean that it's better is that true i'm i'm one, almost 100 certain of that i gotta look it up i got that's such that's such a claim that i have to look it up no, i'm not trying I, to I disprove you. you i'm not trying to call you out on the air i'm not trying to do any of that but like the claim that you just made needs to be researched i don't blame you at all i'm just saying like i remember hearing that somewhere I, I'm 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 relatively certain that uh, like commercially, as far as numbers are concerned, I think Sammy Hagar was much more successful than David Lee Roth ever was. And I'm not talking about like a net worth because when Sammy sold Cabo Wabo for like 18 billion dollars, like that, I'm not talking about net worth. I'm talking about like commercial success with Van Halen. I'm almost positive that Sammy was much more commercially successful. I'm talking like in the run that they that like in the certain time frame that they had. Okay, so the <laughs> it's okay if I'm wrong. I, I don't mind being wrong. No, no, because you're not necessarily wrong because you're repeating something that was said, but the person who said it was fucking Sammy Hagar himself. Oh, he said it. Was it on Howard Stern? Yeah. Is he on Howard Stern? Yeah, he said he says that he tripled uh uh the sales from David Lee Roth to to himself. It's, it's that but in actuality, uh in terms of albums sold, uh <laughs> Like physical copies, like units. Physical sold. copies of albums sold. Uh, David Lee Roth has fifty-seven million sales to Hagar's twenty-seven million. I'm gonna go throw up, dude. Sixty million <laughs> records, dude. I didn't realize the. I didn't realize it was that high, bro. Sixty million records. That's wild. Yeah, so he sold almost pretty double. much double the amount well, of records well, that so, this it, other guy sold. It's not like it was close. I was way wrong. But dude, like you got to think about that too. I think Sammy was on what three, maybe four albums. David had like seven albums. Yeah, you got to think. I, now that I think about it, I think Van Halen did at, at minimum five records before Sammy took over, and then towards like I don't know if it was around that time. But there was, I think it might have been like towards like the, the mid to late 90s when they were doing like the face to face tour, I believe, where Roth and Hagar were doing separate sets with Alex, Mikey, and Eddie. You know what I mean? So like yeah. Roth would come out and do a Van Roth set, Hagar would come out and do a Van Hagar set. And I remember very vividly on Howard Stern where David Lee Roth is in the studio and Hagar's on the phone and they're both motherfucking each other because they genuinely could not stand each other. So, yeah. I, okay. So, uh, so David had six albums and Sammy had four. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I know David definitely had more 100% had more uh, because Sammy had like a legitimate solo career before he joined Van Halen. Like, say what you want. I mean, like, listen, I can't drive 55. I can't drive 55. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, I, I, it's, it's lame, but it's like, it's, it's 80s lame. So, like, you know, it's, it's just different. It's, it's a, like a nostalgia thing. But, like, that would be like my number one thing would be Van Halen with Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth. I lean Sammy Hagar just because I prefer his voice. That's my big thing. I'm looking at their number one singles. So David had it's so you, you got to think about it. it. Would be like you really got me, jump, um, two. and running with the devil. David actually only had two number one singles. Which ones? Pretty woman, pretty woman, and jump. Pretty woman was a number one single. Yeah. Really. 
No shit. Well, I mean, no, I'm not saying it's, I'm just like that's talking, you know, it was what 19, 1982, but I'm saying it makes like, sense for 1982 like, number one single that that's not like that's not the one I would think of. Like, I would think me personally, I like I would think Ice Cream Man would be the best one out of a lot of those. Well, no, you're not the best one, maybe like my my personal favorite, but like it's just so silly too. like. I don't know. Like, it, 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 there were two very different stage shows. You know, Sammy was much more of a this down. Makes, this makes sense to me why people hate Sammy Hagar. Sammy had a lot of number one singles. Yeah, but which what, means it was commercial. It was commercially accepted. Right. It was. It was mainstream. Yeah. Now it makes right. It, it's all the, the right. The the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. So, but like, I I understand why people don't like them, but. In my in my honest estimation, I I personally don't see it. Like again, it's one of those things where you sold out, man. Like I get it, dude. Like we get it, because I've been there myself. You sold out. I get it. I said it, I said about my Chemical Romance when they put out Danger Days, and then I actually listened to Danger Days, and I know why people hate it, but I still actually really like it. But that's a completely different subject of, of like like fucking like records that completely split a fan base like just done and over i get it so i want to ask you about a different band uh with you being a a, a, a huge fan of this band uh when blink 182 brought in matt skiba what's uh how does taylor micah feel about matt skiba and blink 182 now big matt big matt skiba fan like yes. alkaline trio you know, we saw Alkaline Trio together. That was a cool show. Yes. I'm not a big, I'm not a huge Alkaline Trio fan, so I don't know all the words to all the songs, but I've, I'll rock the fuck out to radio, man. Yeah. Uh, ra- radio is probably, for what it's worth, the ultimate breakup song. Whatever whatever, whatever people are feeling right now with Taylor Swift in the NFL and her, bra- her breakup discography, radio is like the ultimate breakup song. It's the fucking best, dude. <laughs> um, So Matt Skiba joins Blink-182, right? First of all, uh, when Tom left the first time, I was really bummed out because Tom was my favorite part of Blink. And then like they were gone, gone. You know, obviously Travis has the accident. They come back. They write neighborhoods. Everybody hates it. I still don't get it, but it's fine. Tom leaves again, and they bring in Matt Skiba. Now, being an Alkaline Trio fan and also being a Blink fan, two things naturally occurred to me. One... It's going to be fine because Skiba is in a trio. He plays guitar and sings. So he might he might have a little problem with some of Tom's riffs because of Tom's downstroke, which is like one of the is one of the most ridiculous things that Tom is known for. And then cuz he's Matt fucking Skiba, like it's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like he's a well-established person in the industry. And Alkaline Trio was coming up around the same time Blink was. It's just that Blink caught fire and Alkaline kind of stayed where they were, but they gradually went up. Whereas Blink also gradually went up, but like they had a meteoric rise and they just never left. Right. I personally, the California record with Matt Skiba is awesome. The second record they wrote with him called Nine is also a good record. It's not, it's, it's probably the weakest record in all of Blink 182's discography. But I, I, I personally enjoyed it. It was a little more fun. It was a little more laid back, relaxed. And Mark took much more of center stage with stuff like that. Because some because right. Skiba was singing a lot more higher melodies and stuff like that. So I enjoyed the Skiba version of Blink. But seeing Blink-182 over the summer with Mark, Tom, and Travis... Something special happens when those three guys get into a room and write music. Like it's just it, oh, sure. it just works. It's like it, it really shouldn't work, which was why when they released the song one more time, it was basically saying, We're not gonna fuck this up again. Like, why does this like we only keep coming back when Travis is in an accident or Mark Hoppus gets cancer? Which by the way, I still remember when I like this is how much I love Blank and how much like these like this band means to me. I remember the day I found out Mark Hoppus got cancer and I would think I was, I think I was on, I wasn't on. So YWIL was still a thing. You guys were recording an episode and I texted you guys that Mark Hoppus got cancer. And then you guys reacted live on air 
and I remember listening back to that episode, and you guys were like, you know, you guys were bummed because it's like, fuck, dude, of all people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, the fact that they actually came back and it seems like it's not forced, that they're actually friends again, it does really, really make me happy, especially because the music sounds really fucking good. I know people don't like edging, and that's fine. But I thought it was a safe, fun release to like, okay, we're back. We're going to be fucking stupid and tell dick jokes again, which is exactly what, you know, so it's fine. But to answer your question, the Matt Skiba version of Blank, I really don't have an issue with it. Even though Nine is the weakest of all of their records, mm-hmm. it was fun. And I'm glad Matt got to experience that kind of success. Like really got to yeah. like play on GMA. I know it's kind of lame, but like to play on Good Morning America and play in, play in arenas because if, there are a few people in this world that deserve it more than Matt Skiba, who was like 20 plus years grinding it out. Right. Fair, fair, fair. You know, it's an interesting thing uh, to, to talk about the, this particular topic because it always comes with some level of some people hate it. Some people love it. Uh, you, you know, you tend to split a lot of fan bases over things like this. You know, unfortunately, from time to time, uh, it's death that leads to uh, a replacement of somebody in a band. Um, and uh, one interesting thing that uh, I was thinking about while I was coming up with what I wanted to say when we were talking about this is uh, they didn't do any albums. They just did shows. When Queen brought in Adam Lambert, um Oh, wow. Back when he was kind of big off of his uh, American Idol stint. And uh, I've actually seen videos of them playing, and the guy's pretty damn good. You know, he fit that spot pretty well, I think. And, you know, I think it's uh, Queen's Testament, uh, you know, their own show of respect to the memory of Freddie Mercury saying, hey, we're not going to make Queen albums. There's no such thing as new Queen music. Freddie Mercury was Queen. Uh, but I thought that that was a, a pretty interesting thing that they did that. And they, they did a lot of shows and generally well-reviewed. Um, how do you feel about something like that? So in certain instances, I think it's kind of lame. So another. OK, so I, I'll give you one more. I'll give you another example because because uh, I, I could talk about that Adam Lambert Queen stuff forever. And I personally love it because that's the closest you're going to get to Freddie Mercury ever again. Truthfully, like that's how um, that's how talented adam lambert is as as a vocalist like i remember i i never watched american idol i i i never that's not true i watched the clay aiken ruben stuttered shit i remember that when i was a kid i remember but when adam lambert was doing his songs he did a, he did a version of a whole lot of love that was just insane absolutely insane and everyone always said like if queen goes back on tour like that's the guy because there was a point in time where Queen was touring with Paul Rogers from Bad Company and it just wasn't the same. There was more like a tribute band. It just happened to be Roger Taylor and Brian fucking May behind him. You know what I mean? Yeah. For some reason, Roger Deacon just won't play with those guys again. I don't know why. I don't I, I think he's alive. I'm not sure. But but that but but that like that's another instance of four guys. It just works. Like, it's just perfect how it worked. Like, those four guys, Roger Taylor, Brian May, Roger Deacon, and uh, Freddie Mercury, just worked. Yeah, he's, he's, he's alive. He is alive. He just uh, he just won't play with the guys. I don't know why, but... It's uh, it's John Deacon, by the John way. John Deacon, sorry. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he just won't play with those guys. But when bands replace members due to a death, it can be really hit or miss. So... You can kind of speak to this. I mean, we there's a lot of people who can speak to this, but you witnessed it when it, it just seemed very convenient that when Vinnie Paul passed away, and obviously Dime had been dead for quite some time at that point, that the second Vinnie Paul died, that Phil Ansamo and Rex are like, all right, Pantera, we're fucking doing it. Like, I remember hearing Was it, it that quick? It was pretty fucking quick. It was like maybe... I don't remember it being that quick. It was like six oh, months later, dude. Maybe six months to a year. Like, in in hindsight, that's a relatively short amount of time, and it just it, it just seemed way too much of a coincidence that like the second both Abbott brothers are dead, Pantera's back. You know, like that's where I took issue initially 
But then, like, it was, it was four years. Four years. But, like, even still, like, it just seems too much of a coincidence. And obviously, that feud is legendary at this point between Alan Salmo and yeah. both Abbott brothers. Well, with, Phil's a piece of shit, so. It's well documented what a, what, a, what a fucking scumbag he is. But it just seemed too much of a coincidence that this, like, Vinnie Paul and Dime are gone. Oh, we could do Pantera again. And, like, I felt bad for Rex because Rex kind of felt in the middle of that. I don't, I don't, yeah. to my knowledge, I don't feel like that he, Rex is the bass player for people that I don't know. But I, if he was just in the middle of that nonsense and he like, he's like, I'm in the band too. Like, like I got to make money. But when they announced it, I was 100% against it. And then they played their first show and I saw it all over Twitter. And I heard Zach Wilde play the Cowboys from Hell Riff for the first time. And I was like, fuck. Fuck. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm in. I don't care. And the fact that it was Zach Wilde playing, who was like one of Dime's best fucking friends, that made me feel better about it. But I was still very like, we kind of know what you're doing. But the fact that you brought in Dime's friend to play his riffs m- made the acceptance of a Pantera reunion easier. Now, when you saw them open for Metallica, how, like, how did they sound? They sounded fine, but I'm not for it. I'm not for it at all. Uh, I I like Zach Wild. I love Zach Wild. I respect the hell out of Zach Wild for all that he has done for metal. Fucking legend. Uh, he's too. one of the premier metal fucking guitarists ever of all time. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just like for me, I'm such a metal guy. You you know this. Uh, you know anybody that listens to the show, if they don't already know this, they will they will learn it about me as we go on. I fucking love metal, man. I love the pioneers of metal. I love the the fucking the metal gods, the legends that we've seen over the years. And Pantera is an upper echelon band in the history of metal for me. And you know, I talk to you about it all the time. You know, as someone who's rather unsuccessfully played guitar for the past twenty years of his life, yeah, uh, there are very few people that I could call a, a true inspiration as much as I call uh, Dime da- Dimebag Daryl Abbott. Um, just the shit that he could do with the guitar, man, is fucking incredible. He was such a unique, unique type of guitar player with the things that he could do, and um. To, he is what made Pantera for me. Just those those fucking heavy riffs, those fucking insane, incredible solos, and to do what he did for the most part without a rhythm guitarist is it's nuts. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It, and oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, anytime that you take two legends and you replace them without their consent, I think is is a for me, a difficult pill to, pill to swallow. Pantera broke up because of internal issues between the brothers and Phil. We know this. Everyone knows this. They, I, I don't believe that they got a chance to squash their beefs, respectively, before the brothers had passed away. And to start the band up in their honor is, I think, an interesting gesture, but at the same time, you never got their approval to do it so how can i respect something that i don't know if someone who's a personal hero of mine would have been down for yeah i gotta be honest that's a that's a side of it i never really that uh, like that's a thought process that never even once crossed my mind and i think it's a very interesting take because you know there's a lot of truth and a lot of passion there because Pantera elicits a lot of passion from its fans, rightfully so. I mean, they base so what whatever metalcore exists now, as far as bands like Wage War and shit, and like other hardcorey thrash metal bands that exist now, like they exist because of Pantera. And obviously, listen, you can go down the line and however many metal bands, but I'm talking about like Phil specifically with his scream sing kind of thing, and the way yeah. and exactly what you said about Dime and his guitar playing. Like when you listen to the Cowboys from Hell Riff, even on the even on the record, it sounds like it's layered. It sounds like it's layered like three or four times, which I'm sure it is. But when you hear it live, and again, listen, I, I'm I I don't know about stage production or like you know guys running soundboards, but I'm sh- 
every time I would watch a live video of Pantera playing, it didn't sound layered to me, but there was only one guy playing guitar on that stage. And it sounded like there were four play- people playing guitar on that stage. And that's what he could do. That's That was the unique ability that he had. It's Listen, you want to talk about a one of one? They, like there'll never be another one of like dime ever again, truthfully. And like the close, like the closest we'll ever get is Zach Wild, as far as when it comes to like playing a guitar like that. I mean, obviously there are other guys, obviously, but like as far as in metal music and as far as having an influence like Dime had, and still has twenty plus years later. Yeah, like like twenty years later. It can't be overstated what like what a true pioneer of the genre he was and what a pioneer what pioneers that entire band was. It's really difficult. And I agree with you. It's really difficult pill to swallow when and we have we had similar thoughts was, well, it just seems quite convenient that Pantera's back when both Diamond Vinny are dead and the main reason that Pantera didn't continue on was because of Phil and the Abbott brothers fighting. And it's not like there was no ground to stand on. Like the the Abbott brothers had every reason to think Phil was a scumbag. And then the best part was, is that Phil has this uncanny ability to tell on himself. Like we don't, he doesn't need us to tell him. He doesn't need people to tell him he's a scumbag. He tells you himself. Like there's plenty of videos out there of him like at shows, little small shows where like he he Nazi salutes the crowd, screams wipe like he's just he's uh, you gotta remember something, he's a drug addict too, like big time alcoholic. But like, again, listen, like you're you're an you're, that just because you're an alcoholic does it also mean you can't be an asshole. You know? So and, and Pantera's a rough one because like you and I specifically we love metal so much and Pantera is such an integral part of that that when when you try to like rationalize that they're quote unquote back, it's a, 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 again, it's a very difficult pill to swallow because it doesn't, yeah. it's not the same and it will never be the same because the heart and soul of the band is gone. 100%. And, um, you know, definitely all interesting points to, to bring up. And, um, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far has been stuff that is uh, divisive within communities, divisive within fandoms. And very rarely do you see a situation where a band changes leads uh, where things are sort of amicable, uh, but where the fan base is very accepting. And uh, one of the most unique cases of that that I've ever seen is with Kill Switch Engage. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, they started out with Jesse Leach. Um, you know, Jesse had some personal issues, and uh, him and the band had a part ways. Not not in a way that was. Um, it, I, I don't want to use controversial. I don't think controversial is the right word, but I don't think there was really much bad blood there when Jesse had to leave the band. Uh, and they bring in Howard Jones, and Howard is like so instantly accepted by the fan base because of how fucking incredible he was howard breathed new life into that band when jesse leaving could have spelled the death of them and like and i equate it's a little bit of a different circumstance but i equate it also to acdc because when you listen to kill switch with jesse in the beginning and the fact that he was gone you're the only thought that would run through your head is like i don't know how they can bounce back from this and then not only do they bounce back arguably well not arguably i mean like it me personally they got fucking better and yeah. and jesse needed to go take that time away and deal with what he needed to deal with right and then you know continue with what you're saying i just needed because listen there's there's not a person on this planet i love more than howard jones truthfully yeah uh you know and then the time goes on you know howard does his years in the band i think he gets three four albums yeah something uh, like that. and uh and then Howard decides it's time for him to part ways, and the band turns around and they bring Jesse back in, uh, which is something that you you know it's very rare to see because a lot of times in this type of music in these type of communities the breakups tend to be ego driven and they tend to be like yo I can't work with this fucking guy right and that's not the situation that happened with Kill Switch Engage it was purely a 
you know, homie's got some issues. Homie's got to take care of the issues. So, you know, he leaves. Yeah. No. So real quick, just about the Howard Jones leaving. I obviously, so I, I definitely think there was an amicable split there. But the other thing, the other thing that I remember being a, a part of Howard leaving uh, was his diabetes. He he legitimately had diabetes. And yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm. I was still talking about Jesse. You know oh. why Jesse left? I was I was leading into you know Howard then leaving. Right. Which right. yes, you're 100 percent right. And I, I was gonna. That's where I was going sorry, essentially. Sorry. So you know you have one guy's in the band. He leaves due to personal issues. They bring another guy in. He leaves due to personal issues. Amicable, amicable both, both times. They bring the original guy back in. Eventually, they get to this new uh, to a record they did back in 2018, and oh. Howard does a feature. Oh, dude, you talk about the, the signal yo, fire, like right? I remember seeing the music video for the signal fire, and when they fucking fist bumped, my brain melted, dude. Yeah. I was like, yo, these are like two of my favorite metalcore frontmen. Of all time, they both played for the same band, and they're doing a song together, and everything's so fucking awesome. And the thing that I love about it is that, like, like we have both indicated within the fandom, they're both loved guys. Beloved. You know, there's no major fight over, oh, it's so much better with Jesse. It's so much better with Howard. You know, you, you'll get those people because sure. they all exist everywhere. But it's universally, in the fandom, loved. And what I think is cool is that, you know, obviously Howard had his own sound. He had his own voice. You know, he when he did Jesse's songs, they sounded like Howard's version of Jesse's songs. But when Jesse does Howard's songs, I, I remember when I first saw them after Jesse came back and he sang uh, End of Heartache. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't believe dude, it. Jesse. I couldn't believe how, how much he, he nailed it. Dude, Jesse learned how to fucking sing, dude. Because, yeah. oh yeah, dude, I remember we, we saw him together when we when we saw Slipknot. Yes, yes, and they blew me away. Like you and I have been very big fans of Killswitch for a long time, and yeah, my since the beginning for me, I've been a fan of Killswitch Engage since two thousand three, bro. Like, yeah, see, see, here is the thing, I, I, and and it. it I mean, like, like you were the older brother, but like, I also didn't have an older brother. I, I, I was like one of like maybe three kids that I knew that was like really deep in the metal, and yeah. Unfortunately, I came across Kill Switch at well, not unfortunately, because it's a fucking great record. Was End of Heartache, and uh, yeah. that was like when they were getting like real mainstream push, like really going for it. And that led me back to the first record. I found Jesse. Wow, this fucking rips too. Then it's Howard. Wait, it's a different guy. Holy shit! And the, uh, to allude, uh, actually, to uh, you know, add on to what you said specifically, and you mentioned the Signal Fire because. That was the first single released and of their that record at the time. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember that was one of the few records. I think it was Atonement. Something like that. I think, or, uh, well, you say Atonement, and for some reason I think Lamb of God, but I don't, I could be very wrong. Um, yeah, it was Atonement. Yeah, so. I'm not great with album titles. <laughs> I, I tend to listen to music on like a song-by-song -song basis. Yeah. Uh, so like a new record comes out, I very rarely listen to like the full new record unless it's a band that I'm in love with. Yeah. So I, uh, please forgive me for loving this band and not remembering the name of the album off the top. No, of it's listen. It's not a big deal. I, I I also understand. I'm very much in the minority when like when I I, I listen to full length records. Like I I know that not a lot of people do that. It's not a big deal. It's just it's it's a word I can't say on here, and uh, and Ralph has called me it plenty of times. But uh, so the one thing I will say to add on to what you said was they released the signal, the signal, uh, sorry, the song, the signal fire. And before I listen, I, I watched the video just like you. And the second verse is coming up, but like you don't see it, but you hear another voice, right, mm -hmm. with Jesse, and you're like, do I know? And then you see the he wraps the cord around his hand and then it pans up and it's fucking Howard and Jesse and, and Jesse's like cheering him on and Howard's losing his mind because when Howard left, he went and started another band called light the torch, which fucking rule by the way. Yep. Um, and I remember watching it. Same thing when they fist bump. Oh dude, I, I don't mean to be like so lame about it and cheesy, but dude, it's warmed <laughs> my heart because so often yeah, dude, it was awesome because so often exactly what you said. Everything is ego-driven. These people can't fucking stand each other. Everybody hates everybody. Blah, 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 blah. And now here you got one of the baddest metal bands on the planet with two of the best frontmen in the genre that are boys. They like Killswitch went on tour with Light and they brought Light the Torch. And then Howard would come on and sing End of Heartache and Rose of Sharon. 
Who does that? Yeah, dude. But like, because it's such an anomaly, you, 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 it's and because it's such a rare occurrence, you need to just sit back and appreciate how good it was. You know what I mean? And how good we had it, how good we still have it. And the other thing, like you said too, when we saw him, and I said it before, that time Jesse spent like getting his light, getting his shit together. Man, you want to talk about a guy that came back with a fucking vengeance and really like truly didn't have anything else to prove. We knew how great he was. He came in with a fucking chip on his shoulder and not only proved that he still had it, proved that he was better than anyone even fucking imagined he could be. And like it takes a certain type of person to come back with a vengeance like Jesse Leach did. Dude, uh, so. (laughs) <laughs> a quick funny story. I like funny stories. Uh, there's there there are a few things in life that make me as satisfied when it comes to music when I uh, recommend something to a particular person and they tell me that they loved it because this person is notorious for having fucking garbage taste in music and that is our dear friend Dr. Bob Roberts. Yeah. Uh, and when when we saw uh <laughs> when we saw Slipknot and Killswitch and Bob came with us um afterwards after Killswitch is set he looks at me he goes oh that's that band you really like and I was like yeah he goes dude they're they're fucking sick and I was like oh my god yo like that is that's major props yeah yo here you you want a little more major props so Bob texts me and me and uh Jesse the other day and he and he just sends cuz he's he's an Apple music guy like you and he sends, yeah. uh, he's been listening to Leviathan by Mastodon. Nice. So Jussie got him on Mastodon. And I'm trying to get Jussie on a little bit heavier stuff. But I mean, like, listen, homie listens to Gojira now. I, that's, a, so, that's a sentence I never thought I would ever say. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? When I first met Justin, it was all fucking Wu-Tang. Bro, he's still a Wu-Tang guy through and through. But like, Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. But he, but, was, he was squarely in the rap No, space. he was squarely in the Nas, Kanye, what, before Kanye lost his mind. Kanye West, Wu-Tang Clan, like, like the, the, the 90s creme de la creme of hip-hop. Notorious B.I.G. was his goat. Deadass. Yep. And then, like, fast forward 15 years later, bro, he's he went to a Gojira show. Like, I know, it's who awesome. are you, dude? <laughs> and but, and then uh, Lorna Shore opened. I'm like, dude, that's like the heaviest deathcore band out there right now. You went and saw Lorna Shore, and I didn't go. And that's also Greg gave me a lot of shit for not going to that show. He texted me, and he goes, I don't know what the fuck you're doing right now, but I guarantee you it's not as great as what I'm doing. And he sent Lorna Shore. I'm like, you're a piece of shit, and you're right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they invited me to, and you know, obviously with the baby, it's been hard to get to uh, get to any type of show. I'm sure. You know, I think uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't been to any shows since he's been born. I'm pretty sure that Wonder Years is going to be my first foray back into concert. That's like in like three weeks from now. Yeah, Uh, three weeks from Sunday. Yes. Yeah, it's like three. Yeah, I was going to say like three weeks, something like that, because I know it's like mid October, like the week of Halloween, something like that. The week before Halloween. Week, I think it's yeah. exactly one week before Halloween. It's Sunday, the 22nd. Yeah. So, so listen, it's it's going to be a great time, especially because they're playing The Greatest Generation in its entirety, yep. which is my favorite record by them. So that's going to be a good time. Do they time. have an opener? I, I, I don't remember. I'm sure they do. Listen, the one thing I've learned about tours like that is that they usually have about five or six fucking openers. And there's and not saying those bands are bad, but I, listen, it, it's a long night. Like sure. it's a long fucking night. Like you get there, it's doors open at six. Wonder years don't go on until ten o'clock. You're there for four and a half hours before any like the band <laughs> you're there to see goes on. Like that, like that's a that's a long time. Even if the music is good, it just and also because we're like we're in our thirties now. Like we we can't go like we used to. Truthfully, um, yeah, I know. So I just want to end on one one quick little thing because since we we're talking about like band, uh, you know, different changes, um. Another band that I've been into lately has been a band called Better Lovers. Uh, Better Lovers is what's left of Every Time I Die. So Jordan Buckley, their bass player, I forget, I can't remember his name, and Goose, the drummer from Every Time I Die. Lead singer, uh, Greg from Dillinger, and then Will Putney from Fit for an Autopsy. The reason why that band came together was because about a year ago, Every time I every time I die, who has been a staple of the scene for about 24 years, uh, had this public, messy fucking breakup. And this kind of puts a little more of a 
of a magnifying glass on how rare the Jesse Howard situation is of like how they're still yeah. boys. Cause you had Keith Buckley, who was the lead singer and Jordan Buckley, his brother, who was a guitar player literally at odds with each other for like, like now, like now that's well documented for like 10 years to the point where like Keith tried to get his own brother fired from, from their band. Like, the other four members took off and it was just this really messy breakup after they just released what I would believe would be their, their best record to date called Radical. And it was just this messy, gross thing after a band that we all loved for a long time broke up. And again, spotlight on Jesse and Howard, not even brothers, not even family. They like, you know, like sometimes your band members are the family that you that you choose which can sometimes be a little more impactful than the family that you have. Jordan and Keith, who are biological brothers, they cannot be in the same room together anymore. And it's sad yeah. because ultimately that led to the downfall of every time I die. And that sucks. But from the ashes of that rises this phoenix called Better Lovers. Sometimes you need to close the door on something phenomenal for something great to really come out the next side, come out the other side of that. And the fact that you basically have a super group of every time I die fit for an autopsy and Dillinger fucking escape plan in one band. Disgusting. The origin yeah. and the or is why Andy Williams, the other guitar player from every time I die is not in it is because he's wrestling for AEW as the butcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like that, that's the only other reason, which is funny. One year at warp tour, they set up a wrestling ring, right? So they had like, uh, local wrestlers and Andy wrestled in a tag match and Andy killed it. Like he literally played a set <laughs> a half hour later. He's doing it. He's doing like a 10 minute tag match with like local indie wrestlers. And it was so funny. Like he dropped like full on selling full on match. And there's barely anybody watching until everyone realized it was Andy fucking Williams like wrestling they're like that can't be the same guy yep same guy that's awesome so yeah i mean i really like what we went over and like and to also like this to like what you said before a lot of the situations scenarios that we went over tonight are very divisive and very people just have their strong opinions on them and listen, and I understand like whatever you like, you like, and that's fine. But I, 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 I think it's important to kind of have conversations like that, especially for bands like Van Halen, ACDC, all that shit, because you may like one particular thing like me, but, in, but to disassociate and to, you know, entirely discredit the other person that was either replaced or being replaced I said the same thing twice. Uh, to discredit that, I think, is completely lame. And I think it's it does a disservice to the history of the band, Depend uh, no matter who you're talking about. Like, you could talk about Hillel Slavak, guitar player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and how it's never been the same since he... Enough. Listen, we you got John Frusanti. Like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are fine. You know what I mean? It sucks that he's dead, but, like, don't don't sit here and tell me that. Like... Last thing, I heard the most ridiculous shit because Blink came back. Someone told me that the best version of Blink-182 is when Scott was the drummer for Blink on fucking Cheshire Cat. How? How? How artsy-fartsy do you have to be? Dude, you have to be such a fucking douche to have to, for that to be your take. <laughs> like the best I mean, not like they were bad, but I mean, like you're talking about one fucking record, one record over 25 years ago. <laughs> the best version of Blake 182 was with Scott on drums. Oh my goodness! Like, and what kind of a take is that? What kind of a take is and, that? And like, well, That's saying something for the sake of saying it. And, nobody thinks that. I can tell you, nobody, nobody fucking thinks. There's that. no one that I can think of off the top of my head that legitimately loves Blink, would that thought would never cross their mind. Never. <laughs> like, listen, don't it get it. It was a fine record. Listen. It was an okay record. There's nothing wrong with it, but to say 
<laughs> but it's the best version of Blink One Eighty Two, Blink One Eighty Two would would not be on the map without Enemy of the State. Without Travis you know, Moore? you could say whatever you think regarding what your best album of Blink One Eighty Two is, but the fact of the matter is, they would not be who they are today without that record. Yes, all the small things is by far, by far their 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 biggest commercial success in terms of being a single absolutely everybody knows that song adam's song got people talking about them because of the subject matter that was such a dude in in the late 90s adam's song was such like a talking point you know like oh these guys they wrote a song about suicide you know but like to, to to talk about a great uh uh cliche a great adage controversy brings cash sure did it's a great fucking song but it got people talking it was controversial and then not only did they have the controversial song they had the controversial music video for what's my age again where they go streaking and it had people fucking talking without that record without those three songs specifically blink 182 would not be the fucking powerhouse that they are today no in terms of getting eyes on them in terms of playing stadium shows i know listen i i completely agree with you uh, because uh, like uh, it's the same thing like when Green Day put out Dookie, catapulted, just absolutely catapulted into the stratosphere. And I'm on the state, catapulted into the stratosphere. Now, what helped is their follow-ups were also great. Like, like, yeah. like Blink's run of records of Enema, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and then obviously Mark, Tom, and Travis show, which is just a live record, and then obviously the self-title, which people are, are whether you... I understand why people feel what they feel about it's it. It's the Black Album. It's the Black Album. Uh, it's the Black Album. They changed their sound, and people fucking hated it. Some people liked it, but a lot of people hated it. I well, okay, and you can't deny it. You so deny it. here's the thing, right? I know you love it. I know that's your introduction to Blink. I understand that we've gone over this hundred and fifty thousand times. I know. Let me finish. What I'm saying is, and I get it. Because they they leaned into the emo thing that was really taking hold at that point in time. So I get I get why people didn't like it. But now it's one of those things where in hindsight, like years down the line, again, listen, Reddit is Reddit. It is what it is. But there are a lot of people who still think that that's their best record, which I personally don't believe. It's not their best. It's my personal favorite. But I know it's not their best. You know? You know what uh, I remember? And I think it was kind of like a... Uh... <laughs> for me now i was yeah you were you know, I, everybody loved everybody loved blink 182 on you know in, in my uh specific i don't want to say generation because we're technically part of the same generation in terms of technically the years yes. that they consider but i mean like the people that, my exact age group uh what's your age again and <laughs> fuck you <laughs> they loved enema of the state and they loved take off your pants and jacket and for me the thing that hit me so hard in the fucking face when the self-titled came out is that St. Anger came out a couple of months before it. Uh, and I was like, all right, St. Anger, let's fucking go. And then the song comes out and I'm like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, not, okay. not great. And then a couple months later, Blink-182 comes out with a record and it's like, all right, it can't happen to me again. And then I remember seeing the video for feeling this and I go, they, they also made St. Anger? Dude, I don't care what you say, man. Feeling this rules, dude. I no, it doesn't. It sucks. It's their worst fucking. No. It's their worst single by Stop far. It. By far, it's their worst single. No, it's not, dude. No, listen, honestly, and I get why people don't like it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I get it. I I personally love it. And also, listen for for what it's worth. You are well documented as not a hater, but. You definitely preferred Mark's stuff to Tom's stuff, absolutely, without a, yes. without a shadow of a doubt. And the, and the other thing too with that record is that that was very Tom heavy. Um, it was very emo because like they really leaned into Tom's in, like voice inflection, which I understand people can't stand. Where are you? You know, the thing it. is, I don't hate it though. Like uh, we we've, we've had this discussion right. before. I prefer. The things I don't like about Blink-182, I don't like because of Tom. And the things that I do love about Angels and Airwaves, I love because of Tom. Yes. It's a weird thing. Nobody, It doesn't make any sense. Nobody gets it when I tell them that. But that's just the way I view those two bands. Well, they're two very different bands, so it's okay. Like, it, it, it make, No, it, listen, hold on. It makes perfect sense because 
Angels and Airwaves is a Tom creation. So, like, it was molded in his image. Whereas Blank, you have three virtuoso songwriters, truthfully. Like, three, as far as in that genre, virtuoso songwriters in there. And they went more for an emo post-hardcore uh, record. But then also, also to Tom's credit, he wrote arguably the best, the best post-hardcore record, like, record of all time in the Boxcar Racer record. Outside of whatever Circus Survive put, put out. At least, yeah, whatever Circus Survive put out, truthfully. Um, but yeah, so like, I get it. I love feeling this. I love Down. I, I get, I love Miss You. I love Stockholm Syndrome. I love all of it. Like violence. That, that, that whole record is, is a lot of fun. Years down the line, it's a lot more widely accepted than it was at the time. I'll give you that. But the, uh, listen, and I'm uh, the only real controversial take that I truly have about Blank. Neighborhoods is not a bad record, and I don't care what anybody says. I said it when it came out. Years down the line, almost ten years later, like twelve years later, people are starting to come around on it. But it's not what people wanted when they first got back together. Like it was, it was just Blink Way Two playing Angels and Airwaves stuff. But it was like good, you know what I mean? So. That's my yeah. only really controversial take on Blink is Neighborhoods is a good record. It always was a good record. It's just that's not what people wanted. Fair enough. I've never <laughs> listened to it, so I don't know. <laughs> you know I, I, I would say give it a shot, especially because you do appreciate Angels and Airwaves. Um, yeah. I would say give it a shot. And like, if you don't like it, it's fine. Like, you know, but I would say it's definitely worth a listen now because you have much more of appreciation for that side of it than you did before. Yeah. So I would say you would understand it more than as opposed to like, eh. but because it's got the moniker of Bleak 182 on it, people are like, really? Like they want, you know, they want the, I want to fuck a dog in the ass. Want to fuck a dog in the ass. I want to fuck a dog. I don't know. Taylor is reciting uh, a song that is performed by Blink 182. Taylor is not just saying this. Uh, no, absolutely not. Show. <laughs> no, it's like it's like, it's like I wonder, what what he say is like I want to fuck your mom in the ass. Could only find the dog. Something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, that dude, that's old school blank. That's great. All right, so I think we're gonna call it there. I think this is actually our longest episode yet because we ended up coming back. We ended up coming back to blank, um, which yeah. is fine by me. I could literally talk about blank every minute of every day. Which let's face it, that's 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 way too long. Nobody needs that. <laughs> um, so from me and Josh to the audience. Thank you again. Once again, we're going to say it every single week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I said I was going to be that guy. I'm always going to be that guy now who gives a shit. Like, share, subscribe. Um, you know, this is a project that Josh and I have been talking about for quite some time. And to be a month into it already, get into a flow, get into a, you know, the, the swing of things. And it's really we're really on a we're, we're really on a good track on a good trajectory and i'm like peeling the curtain back a little bit i'm very happy with what we've put out so far so i'm i hope this show allows people to find music that they've never found before i hope it allows people to think fourth dimensionally when it comes to stuff that maybe they didn't like when they were younger give it a second chance if you don't like it fine but you know never stop listening to new shit you'll always find something new because like if you keep listening to the same top 40 over and over again, it's going to be boring as fuck. And that's fine. If that's what you want to do, I don't care. But go outside, you know, go touch grass and go listen to the Wonder Years or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's my favorite fucking thing to say. It, it, dude, it grass. is, dude. Go touch grass might be like... <laughs> when I said it to Dan like a week ago, oh, I, I don't think it. anything has never needed to be said to a person as much as that needed to be said to him <laughs> in that very particular moment. Oh, dude, I can't tell you I was fucking howling. <laughs> oh, hold on. I need to tell you real quick. Like, this is not even music related. You know how angry I get when people say AF, right? Now I do. No, no, no. You knew that when, like, like, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Squad AF. Yeah, Squad <laughs> AF. How much that drives me up a fucking wall. You know that, right? <laughs> I said, I called something mid the other day and I made myself cringe. Yeah, that's, that's, that's bad. That's rough. Like, <laughs> Cause I was I was like talking to I was talking to this chick to uh, I was talking to my friend Sarah. I promised I would shout her out because I'm supposed we were supposed to play Mario Party, and 
I said, nah, I got to do this podcast first. She goes, only if you shout me out. All right. Hi, Sarah. There you are. Um, <laughs> I called something mid and I made myself cringe. And then like I heard somebody else say, and I literally asked, how old are you? <laughs> how old were they? 29. Oh, that's not that much younger. I'm 31. I'm a, well, I'm pretty much 32. Yeah, I turned I'm 32 in like 34. Two. No, I know. But like when I hear like I try really, really, really hard to stay away from like pop culture lingo. Like I'll stay up to date with pop culture and what's going on. You know, I'm not gonna be like Dan who pretends like he's never heard of like I don't know yeah. the most relevant artists that are out today. Yeah, like he doesn't know who Dua Lipa is. Stop it. Like he didn't know who Meg the Stallion was when I when I brought it up when she did the uh the the first pitch earlier in the year. Oh my I god. I wouldn't even know who that was until you told me. Bro, everybody knows who Meg the Stallion is. Like dude, dude like Tory Lane shot her. <laughs> and that, that did happen. No, it, listen, but it's it's I'm that not like it's funny that that but it happened. It's just not it's not funny, yeah. you know, especially cuz he just got sentenced. He's going to jail. But like no, like, 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 shoot somebody. Well, like, he's going away for a while, dude. Like, literally going away. Well, for like, a you while. shoot somebody, you're yeah. gonna. Fucking... Oh, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. But yes, to your, yes, I, I don't. He pretends to not know. He knows. Listen, if he knows about the Chinese housing market, he knows who Meg the Stallion is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, with that being said, we've listen, we've gone on too long yet again. Absolutely, uh, nothing but love for Dan. It's it's just it's mindless nonsense that because we love him to death. Allegedly. Allegedly. All righty. So, Notice with that being Josh's said, Josh's silence when I said that. Notice Josh's. Oh, of course. Of course, we love Dan. <laughs> Dan's my oldest friend. Who cares? Of course. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, no, I agree. Who gives a shit? So, anyway, <laughs> this was The Shape of Sound, I believe, episode four, probably five. I'm maybe pretty sure. Maybe, pretty sure maybe six. Definitely pushing it. But either way, Guys, thank you so much for listening. It's not six. Def, definitely not who. Oh, that not six. Okay, good. Uh, I can't count. <laughs> the math isn't mathing. Uh, yeah, like, share, subscribe. Just keep listening every week. We'll give you good shit to listen to. We're gonna give you funny, funny tour stories, more fun banter like this, and uh, you know, just thank you for coming along this fucked up ride with us. And with that being said, peace. Later. <laughs>